right, guys. Do I? I don't know if I need that. Um, so eight, 18 years old is when uh, I met a little little gal named Pamela Woodfin. And so uh, there's varying, varying um, kind of recounting of and uh, memories of the story about who noticed who first and uh, what that was all like. But there's no mistake that once we both noticed each other, we both noticed each other. And, uh, and, I was, and I was all in. I asked her, you know, you want to go to a football game? And she said yes, and I couldn't believe it, and uh, all the, the butterflies and all of that. So we dated for about three months. And, uh, and I was like, I'm thinking, you know, in all my 18-year-old wisdom, like, man, this is, this is the one. And, uh, you know, this, this woman is incredible, and she's so fun, yada, yada, yada. And so uh, we're in her, her parents' kitchen, and it's just she and I. We've been dating three months. Um, and I, I kind of grab her by the waist, and I spin her around, and I look in her eyes, and I go, Pam, I love you. And I'm just kind of, I'm waiting for the reciprocity, I'm, you know, that this amazing woman is going to tell me that. And she looks right back at me and she goes, thank you. <laughs> and so what was incredibly obvious uh, as we talked about it, and we've laughed since then, is that we had two very different views uh, about love. Very different views. Um, I had just become a believer. I was kind of, you know, wheels off, no, no training. No one had sat me down. And Pam had a really amazing dad uh, who had told her what, that, what love was and how uh, powerful and um, what a big deal it was. She had a very high view of love. I had a very low view uh, of love. And I was a little bit confused about what love was. Pam, Pam wasn't uh, at 18. I definitely was. And so it's kind of cute, you know, kind of a, a misunderstanding about what love is, different, different views, high views, low views, and, and what that kind of, um, what that brings about in a relationship when you're 18, it, it ends up being uh, pretty damaging and oftentimes disastrous when you are married, uh, if you have an incorrect view uh, of love. And so that's what we want to talk about tonight. Susan said, hey, John, will you just, you know, with, with um, Valentine's Day coming up and um, all the the pink hearts and, you know, all the, the, the candy and uh, the cards that are coming. Could you just talk about love uh, for a minute? And so since we're confused and when we're confused, always we want to go to God's word. I'll go to the most famous uh, love passage in scripture. If you had one verse uh, read at your marriage, this was probably, uh, probably at, at, your, uh, at your wedding. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 9. And you can think about your your pastor saying this uh, at your wedding, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It's a great, it's a great description of love in just a few, uh, in just a few sentences. Um, I, we were laughing a couple days ago about a wedding I did once where it was in a stone chapel and you couldn't use mics. Was, I don't know if that was the, 
faith tradition, but you couldn't use mics, which posed a really interesting um, conundrum because you had to reach grandma back in the back. She had to be able to hear, and you had these two people like standing right here. So every time I'd read scripture or I'd say a vow, I'm literally yelling it uh, to grandma with these two people uh, right here, and they were cracking up, and uh, it was really funny. So I'm glad, I'm glad for um, microphones to say, the, say that tonight. That, that's love. That's the definition um, of love. We could talk about each one of those words, which would, be, which would be a great use of time. But just in the little time I have left, I want to talk about uh, kind of two myths that we have about love and one model. And hopefully just kind of recenter uh, our thinking around love as we go into this crazy season. Uh, it's a season of opportunity, but it is a bit of a crazy season uh, called Valentine's Day. Okay, so here's, here's the first thing I want us to know. And this is big, is that love is a verb, not a feeling, right? Love is a verb, not a feeling. And so oftentimes we think about love being this thing that we feel or um, kind of this, um, the warm fuzzies. And I remember holding Pam's hand for the very first time, um, you know, and how just that, how electric that was. And we think that's, uh, we think that's love and love really has much more to do with what we do. And if you think about that verb, if that passage was still up there, every single one of those uh, words aren't feeling words, they're action verbs. Love, love isn't what you feel, it's what you do. And having just kind of been around as long as I have, having been married uh, for 22 years, I, I have just found this to be true. Loving feelings bring about, uh, I'm sorry, loving actions bring about loving feelings. Loving actions bring about loving feelings. And oftentimes we're, we're frustrated because we don't feel a certain way. And really the remedy is to do, right? It's to do, not wait to be struck. And um, one of my favorite stories about this was uh, this gal that went to a counselor and she was done with her husband. And uh, so she walks in and she says, I want a divorce. And uh, here's all the reasons why. And just, just starts, you know, berating him. And uh, the counselor goes, man, he sounds like a pretty bad dude. And, um, and she's like, you don't, you, know, you don't even know the half of it. And goes off on another tirade. And he said, well, tell you what. I think, I think you could really, really stick it to him. Um, so before you file for divorce, and I think you should, but just, I'm asking you just to wait, just to make it hurt that much more. And so here's what, you, here's what I think you should do. I think for the next three months, you should wake up and be the most amazing wife that he's ever seen. And you should love him, and you should be kind, and you should initiate, and you should serve, and you should be selfless. And so you do that for 90 days, and then when you file for divorce, he will realize what a wretch he is and what a, what a gift you were, and you will crush him. And she's like, <laughs> like she loves that plan, right? 90 days go by, the gal comes back and he goes, all right, you ready to do this? You ready to file? And uh, she goes, file? Why would I do that? I love that man, right? Because she had, uh, rather than waited for the feeling, she had done something about it. Love does, it's not just what you feel. Loving actions bring about loving feelings, 
That is true. And it's something that we need to be reminded of. I need to be reminded of when I don't feel it, I think something's wrong. And that's generally a cue for me to do something. Okay. So the first thing just tonight is that love is a verb. It's not a feeling. Uh, The second thing is that love is a choice. It's not a state. Love is a choice. It's not a state. It is something that we choose. It is choose. It's just not this nirvana like um, the state that we walk around in, and that that's what love is, and it's uninterrupted. Oftentimes, we have to choose it. And so Monday night um, with our family, it was the only night we've got four kids: uh, 18, 16, 14, and 12. And we looked at the calendar, and we thought, "Oh my gosh, this is the only night that this whole week that we're all here together." And so I said, hey, kids, we'll eat light dinner, and, um, and then we'll have tea. We'll have high tea uh, at night. And so one time at our family, we had, uh, we had tea together, and it's still a memory that the kids talk about. So I said, man, this will be awesome. Dad's got this. And, uh, and so I go, and man, I've got these, you know, I've got cakes, and I've got scones, and my youngest and I, we make little sandwiches, and we, you know, uh, my daughter says, hey, I don't want, like, the, you know, the English tea, I want fruit tea. You got it, sweetie, I got that. And when I'm coming home, my, my son says, I don't like any of those teas. I want peach tea. You got it, buddy. I'm go by, get you. I got peach tea and come back, you know. And we get it all set out, just this feast out here in the middle. And, uh, and, and we sit down and like, uh, you guys know Clark Griswold from like Christmas Vacation? Dude, that is me, right? And I am like, this is gonna be a moment here. We are gonna have a moment. Like, grandkids are gonna come over and they're gonna say, hey, granddad, tell us again about the tea that you had on that one Monday night, because I wanna hear about it. It was so amazing, right? That's what I've got, uh, that's what I've got in my head. And rather than that, it was, it was fine, right? It was fine. Um, you know, I asked the kids, I said, hey, tell me about, um, like, what's going well in your life, right? Let's, let's talk about what's going well. And, you know, varying degrees, including your youngest, you know, teenage son. like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You're like, nothing, buddy. I don't know. Come back to me. You know, so we have that. And kids are sharing different answers. And, and we get, I don't even remember what it was. We weren't arguing, but we like got caught in this loop of, we, we just kept, we couldn't get unstuck from this uh, that one thing. And uh, we're sitting on the ground and kids are starting to fit it and uh, Pam was trying to organize a bunch of people, moms to come, had their kids come this weekend to D-Town. So her phone is just lighting up and, uh, and then it's just kind of over, you know? And during the middle of that, I felt like, you know, that incredible Hulk kind of rage, like it was coming up. I'm like, oh man, you guys are messing up my moment, right? This was, grandpa was going to be talking about this and you guys were just so, dad, this was amazing. Thank you so much. And you guys are wrecking it and I'm mad. And, I, and just for whatever reason, God's, God got me, and I just pushed it all down. I said, I, I'm just going to choose to enjoy this moment with my kids. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going I'm to be grateful to the fact that we're all here together this one time this week, all of us. We've got something to eat. You know, they'll at least talk to each other. There's, there's a lot to be thankful for, and I choose to have joy, and I choose to love these kids rather than just unload on them, Right? And so they all get up, it was just hilarious. They all get up and one kid takes one plate in, right? I'm dad of the millennium, right? I got all my training. One kid grabs one plate and there's all this stuff. And my youngest daughter and I are there. And and I I didn't even get mad. I'm I'm just going to choose, choose to love, choose to be grateful, right? I got lots of examples where I haven't, but that's just where it was this moment. And when you ask me how was tea with my family, I had a great time. 
And, I, and Pam and I downloaded it, and I said, well, here's all the things that I didn't like about it, but it was, it was great. And uh, I said, could you tell I was frustrated? She goes, no, good, because I, I chose in that moment. Um, and we can. And so I think there's kind of two times we have to choose. One is all those little micro moments, right? It's tea. It's the way you're greeted in the morning or when you come home or you sit down for dinner or they choose a restaurant or they come out dressed wearing that. You choose love. And then a lot of times there is a defining decision or two in your marriage. And something comes on you and you have to decide, hey, do I choose love? Do I, am I going to choose this or I'm going to wait until I feel like it? And most couples will come up and bump up against one or two things like that. And some of us in the room are kind of at that moment. And I would just encourage you to choose love. And when you do, you look back on those moments. You look back on that person. And this is actually, there's research. This is crazy. If a couple's doing well right now and they've chosen love, when they look back, um, it completely taints or enhances the experience. And they'll go back and they'll ask them about the honeymoon. And if they're in a really solid place right now, they're grateful for their spouse and they ask them about the honeymoon, they'll say, it was amazing. God, it was like everything we wished and everything we'd hoped for. And oftentimes they were sick, right? They were reined in, uh, flights were delayed. And conversely, if things are in a bad spot uh, right now, it doesn't matter how good it was, they're like, oh, dude, I knew from that moment on, you know, he was not the one, and our accommodations were horrible, and da-da-da-da-da, and it wasn't true. They've just rewritten the hard drive. And something really profound happens when you just choose love, okay? Love is a verb. It's something that you choose. And then thirdly, it's something that Christ modeled, right? It's something that Christ modeled. And I don't know about you, but Oftentimes I feel like I didn't have the best model. I didn't have a, I didn't have a bad model. My, my folks stayed married all the way till the end till my dad died and they moved through some pretty tough stuff. So I, I'm, actually, uh, I'm actually pretty grateful, but I don't, you know, my dad didn't write marriage books, you know? He wasn't like writing my mom poems and, you know, doing extravagant things for her. I, I didn't really know. And it, which really motivated me uh, getting married, I'm like I'm reading marriage books and asking people like, what is like, what do husbands do? Like, I, I'm just in, moving into this world I know nothing about. Uh, I've never seen pictures or had a guide. And, um, and so I was always trying to figure this out. And oftentimes most of us feel that way. I don't have a model. I don't know what this looks like. And I would just tell you, if you're a believer, one of the best ways to know what love looks like is just to open your Bible and read about God's love for us. Right? Because that is what, what Christ uh, commands us to do in uh, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And how, what does that even look like? I'll give you a few here, and which, which tie in really, really well with this 1 Corinthians, 10, or 1 Corinthians 13 uh, passages. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, love isn't self-seeking. And Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ's love for us wasn't self-seeking. Christ didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm going to wait for you guys to be good enough, and then I will reciprocate. Right? You guys kind of get your stuff together over here, and once you do, then I'll come down and like, you know, uh, be the cherry on top. The gospel is we had nothing to offer God. We were, in fact, his enemies. And rather than him waiting, he initiated with us. He wasn't self-seeking. Right? He sought our best interest. And in marriage and in love, and I don't know about you, but like 
I tend to, when I'm, when I'm spurned or when I don't feel like I got what I needed or wanted or deserved in that moment, I tend to be a little standoffish, right? And as soon as you move towards me, as soon as you see your part, then I'll be husband of the year at that point, but it's contingent upon you changing um, and I will meet you as soon as you do. Am I, am I the only one there? Yeah, okay, just, just me. Um, so, uh, and I've just been having this moment, these thoughts recently, guys. I just, I remember... It's been a couple months ago. Pam's on the, on the bed and we're going, she's reading and we're going to bed. And I just, I didn't have that warm, glowy love feeling going on. And probably was a little frustrated. And I was like, I, if I want to, I can stay up and work on emails, right? She can go to bed. And then once she goes to bed, I can slip in. I don't have to, you know, talk to her or deal with her or have her unload anything on me. I can just, I can just do that. And, and, I, and, and Romans 5, 8 came to mind. And I said, you know what? I, I'm going to um, sit uh, on that bed and with, with no sexual intentions, uh, right? Which is a very, uh, very sacrificial uh, for me. And uh, I'm just going to talk to my wife. And I, and I felt at that moment like, like God was pleased that I was loving my wife the way Christ had loved me. And I found, I found great joy in that, okay? Another one. Um, love is not easily angered. Romans 2.4 says this, um, that it, it is God's kindness which leads us to repentance. And I've just been thinking a lot about this. What, oftentimes my MO to get my kids to see their part, to get my kids to, to repent, to get my kids to say they're sorry as I'll get angry with them or I freeze them out. Right? And they're like, hey, dad, what's wrong? Hey, babe, what's, what's wrong? Like, did I, did I do something? Yeah, you did. You ready for me to tell you about it? Right? That can be my strategy. That is not God's strategy. God's strategy was kindness towards us. It was kindness. And could he have taken it out on us? You bet he could have. Right? We'll read another verse. We were his enemies. But rather than freeze us out, rather than be angry, he was kind. And that's the, re- that's the reason we responded to God. That's why, that's what the gospel is. His kindness led us to repentance. And so to love like Christ, to, to have Christ as a model, I think is to be kind as we seek about change, as we seek repentance um, kind of in our spouse. And then lastly, um, 1 Corinthians 13.5 says that love keeps no record of wrongs. In Ephesians uh, 2.3, it's just this amazing passage. I don't, think it's, I don't think we have it, so I'll just read it. It says, all of us lived among them at, at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, check us out. We, that's us, me and you. We were by nature deserving of wrath. We deserved, we deserved the wrath of God. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. God keeps no record of wrongs. Instead, he moves towards us in grace. What do we deserve? We deserve wrath, right? You ever, like, most of us have some story in our childhood, like we just got the wrath of an adult, right? You know, uh, I, had a, I had a baseball coach who, who told me he, if I struck out one more time, which I, I was batting in the four slot. I mean, I was, a, I was a pretty good hitter. He said, I will take you out behind the woodshed and beat you. Right, and I'm like, you know, a little, little, just, just above T-ball. I remember this big, imposing man, you know, telling me he is going to take it out on me, right? And you can imagine the difference between, you know, 
a six-year-old boy and a big giant athlete, and the difference between us, finite human beings, and an infinite God. And if God was going to take it out on us, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And instead of taking it out on us, instead of taking it out on us, the way Christ loved us was he showed us grace. He showed us grace. He gave us a love that we didn't uh, deserve. And so as I've, I'm just, I'm prone to keep record of wrongs. I am. And I'm prone to give, get angry. I am. But that's not what love is. What love is, is not keeping records of wrong. Rather than wrath, it's giving grace. And I'm trying, this is one I'm still working on. The Incredible Hulk will come up, like he just will. You know, I don't get green, but man, I get mad. I just get mad. And I want to hold on to that today and tomorrow and next week and next month. And I just want, I want to take it out on him, right? I want to take it out on him. And I remember the, the kindness and the grace that God has shown me. Uh, and it's helping me. It's helping me not keep records of wrongs, Okay. So guys, we're moving in to this season and there's gonna be lots of talk of love and you're gonna go, I, they don't love me the way you know, I should be loved or we don't have love like those people have or I wonder if I made a mistake or uh, you know, um, just, just remember, open up your Bible, look at 1 Corinthians 13, remind yourself of what love is, right? Remind yourself that it's a verb, it is a verb, right? It's not a feeling. Right? It's a choice, not a state. And that Christ is our ultimate model. Don't look to the world for extravagant Instagram posts. You know, these made-for-TV moments where people are going to take like a hundred pictures and post up their one and go, that's what love is. That's not. Right? That's photoshopped, filtered, uh, airbrushed. That's not love. That's a, that's a made-for-picture moment. And love, love was modeled by Christ. And all of us, all of us can do that, irrespective of uh, what your spouse gives you back or the way they respond. How do I know that? Because Christ does that with me continually. Sometimes I respond as I should and, and, and I reciprocate, but oftentimes Christ just initiates irrespective of um, how I treat him. Okay? So, give you some good stuff to talk about. Proud of you guys for being here. Regardless of what your spouse gives you for Valentine's Day, they're here with you. Okay? They're here with you, and they get a lot of credit for that, okay? Whatever they don't deliver uh, to your office, uh, they, they delivered by being here with you, and you make sure to uh, show them gratitude.